In a world where shadows dance and secrets lurk, comes an unforgettable saga of broken souls, written by Alishan. Get ready to embark on a gripping journey through time, a dark southern coming-of-age saga that spans over 30 years. Nothing is as it seems. With every turn of the page, secrets unravel, revealing a web of intrigue that will leave you breathless. Breaking is the easy part. Having the courage to look into the mirror of your souls, allowing yourself to be consecrated, to rise harmoniously in alignment with self and the universe, that's the hard part. Join John and Vivian on this unforgettable journey where shattered souls rise, courage is tested, and destinies are forged. The Broken Souls series by Ella Shawn, a gripping four-book masterpiece that will keep you captivated till the very end. Don't miss your chance to experience this compelling tale of love, loss, and redemption. Purchase your copy now and be prepared to have your soul shattered. Because sometimes the darkest paths lead to the brightest light. Welcome to Black Writer Therapy, a podcast where Black women writers are invited to sit on the proverbial couch, have a cup of tea, and share the stories behind the stories, and what it really takes to write books about Black women in an industry that still prefers white as the default. I'm your host, published author and unlicensed therapist, Alishan. Black Writer Therapy is now in session. Today's session, debut author of The Island Sisters, Mickey Marenta, sits with Ella to discuss surviving domestic abuse with the support of true friends. Mickey was born in Haiti and immigrated to the U.S. with her family in the 70s. She currently serves as VP of DEI, at Women's Fiction Writers Association, and she lives in Florida with her husband. Ella will see you now. Today, I'm excited to see you. A little intimidated, you have quite the resume, but very, very excited to to have you here. Well, I'm very excited to be here. Um, It's an honor you know, to to have been asked. So, um, you know, I hope we're going to have a great conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's very casual. I mean, this is not a, really an interview because I am not a journalist. This is just two Black women writers sitting and talking about what Black women writers like to talk about. Books, mm-hmm. writing, characters, the whole shebang. Life, yeah. Before, <laughs> yes, life. Before we get started, um. I like to ask this question to all of my guests. How are you healing today? Oh, that's a very good question. And it's it just so appropriate for today. Um, well, I'm healing because I've learned 
a long time ago that if I'm if I'm not okay, I cannot make anybody else okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I take time for myself, no matter what it is that I'm going to, I take time for myself to make sure that I'm centered and mm-hmm. then I'm okay so that so that I can move on and do the stuff that I have to do. Um you know, for myself and for others. So yeah, I've I've learned that perhaps the hard way that self-care is very important. I agree. I think we all learn the most important lessons the hard way. And that's why they stick. Yeah. Um, so thanks for sharing that with us. So this first segment, we're gonna jump right in, right? Because I I this we have a lot to talk about, like a lot to talk about. This first segment is entitled Intentional Writing. And um, what I mean by that is writing that is written as a part of the healing process, not only for the author, but for the reader. And congratulations on your debut novel. Came out on June 20th, The Island Sisters. I'm like, whoa, this is writing. Like, this is the writing I love to read. It's the writing I aspire to create. Thank you so much for, you know, the opportunity to read it and the opportunity to sit here and talk with you about it. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't even know. I just want, like, how? How did you come up with all of that? I mean, that book was like, I kept waiting for it to give me a break, right? I kept waiting for it to let me go, hmm, a breather. You didn't, you didn't let me take a breath. You didn't let me do anything. I was just sitting there the whole time, sipping air, trying to (laughs) make it to the next little situation. Like, how? How how did you do that? You know why, Ella? It's because the women that I've, met the women that I've worked with, the women that I've known, they didn't get to take a breath for a long time. (laughs) So um, yeah, I mean, this book, I always tell people it wasn't going to be like a beach read. It wasn't going to be like, oh, let me kick back and read something fun. It's not fun. It's it's real life. It's it's a fiction, but but it's about the lives of real women, real black women. I mean, my characters are black women. They are island women, like I call mm-hmm. them. Just just like I am. I mean, I'm I was born in Haiti, so I'm an island girl, right? Yes. So um I actually was very blessed to have been born in a family where all I've known was love. You know, I mean, we we didn't have a whole lot, but we had a lot of love. Mm -hmm. So I I never personally experienced abuse in any form. Um, So, but as a child, even, I've witnessed it in my neighborhood growing up as a kid. And Mm -hmm. I've always had a sense that, that, this is wrong, you know, like, because like in my culture, children are spanked, you know, I mean, it, it's just an island thing, right? But I always felt like, wait a minute, one women should not be hit, you know? Right. 
So, right. so I grew up, I grew up with that, you know, and, and in my little head at the time, I'm like, I'm never going to let anybody do this for me. Right. Right. So, um, I mean, I started my career, not as an advocate for women, not as a case manager for women, but like in, in, fi in finance, mm -hmm. but, but that wasn't rewarding to me. So social work became my calling. I mean, that's, that's what I was called to do, you know, to share my story, to share my life with other women. So this book is to pay homage to a lot of women that I've known in real life who have, yes. who have gone through a lot. And so I, I wanted to write the book to show like all the different faces of abuse that it's not always where you can see the scars, right? Yes, but because it's it's emotional, it's mental, it's it's financial, mm -hmm. it takes so many forms. So I want to kind of like I don't want to say educate, but I want to say this is what I've seen. This is what I've seen in my line of work. This is what I've seen in what that that I do. So I want I want to share that with you so that if you if you're experiencing it or if you see it you can recognize what it is. Right, right. I, I love that. I, I shared a little bit at the beginning of the, the show before we, we came on about your, you know, your bio. And, and you said that you and your family immigrated, immigrated here to the States um, in the 70s. That's correct. And, and that you were in Boston. What was that like coming from Haiti <laughs> to Boston? Well, I mean, talking about culture shock, <laughs> I, I almost cannot describe it. You, 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 like you have to experience it. But, but I have this story that I love to share. I mean, when I landed in December in Boston, uh -huh. I, I left home. It was like I don't know, maybe like ninety degrees, right? I'm in a sundress. I'm in a strappy white sandals and people were like staring at me and I'm thinking, oh, I must be really cute. You know, that's why they're looking at me. But they probably were thinking, where's that, put, where's that child going? You know, so I, land, I landed. Now, my parents were already there a year before us, right? Okay. So, so my parents were waiting for us outside of the door with like, Quotes. And I, I've never seen a quote before, a winter quote, because we don't have anything like that. And I'm like, what? So I stepped outside of the sliding doors and I went right back in. I'm like, what? What is that? Oh my God. <laughs> that was, there was like ice on the ground. I mean, yes. it, was, it was ice, it was cold. And, and so it's like ice, ice don't belong on the ground. It belongs in a drink or on dead, on dead people, you know, to keep them. So anyway, that was really quite an experience. And, and it took me, I mean, personally, it took me a long time to adjust. I was very homesick. I, 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 I wanted to go back home, mm -hmm. but, but then I was so conflicted because, because my siblings were here, my parents were here. So my, my grandma was in Haiti before she came to join us. I mean, it was hard, Ella. I mean, coming, coming from a different, totally different culture. I mean, everything 
is so foreign. I mean, starting with yeah. the language, I did not speak the language, you know, so I learned to speak. You didn't English. speak English when you came here. No, uh, Haiti, Haiti was a French colony. So mm -hmm. we speak French and we speak Haitian Creole, which is our native language. Okay. So, so somebody say good morning to me. I'm looking at them like, huh, what? <laughs> you know. Wow. So, so the first order of things was we all went to school to learn how to speak English. Mm -hmm. So and was that difficult making the transition from like Haitian Creole, you know, or French, French to English? Well, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy, but you know, it's like once once you're living in the environment, you're like immersed mm -hmm. in it. So of course, you know, I mean, you you kind of like almost didn't have a choice. It's if if you're staying, you need to just conform. You need to to fit in, right? <laughs> Right. Because because uh, my goal for me is like I have to go to school. I have I have to get a profession. I have to be able to financially take care of myself. So mm -hmm. the first order of things was I have to learn the language. You so, know, that's so interesting that you say that I sent my oldest daughter to Brazil for a gap year. Um, mm -hmm. It was with the program. Mm -hmm. And obviously she did not speak Portuguese and we're from South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't know anything about South Carolina, one of our slogans is it's famously hot. I mean, we drink the air in the summertime here. Okay. Yeah. That's how hot it is. So, but she went to Brazil for a year and mm -hmm. she came back completely fluent and Portuguese. She writes it, she reads it, yeah. she sings yeah. it, she speaks it. And, you know, but then she went to Mount Holyoke oh, in yeah. South Hadley, Massachusetts. Ooh, Again, we're from South Carolina. She was not <laughs> prepared. So when you were talking about like your sundress <laughs> and your scrappy sandals, I was like thinking about my daughter because that first winter she was just like, what is this? Uh, I know, I this know. Is, what is this? Yeah, it was yeah. horrible. Yeah, it she can't horrible. wait to get back yeah. home. Mm -hmm. I mean, I spent, I spent I'm like almost 10 years there. So, but, but see, I'm not surprised that your daughter is fluent in the language after a year, because once you live in the environment, in that ambience, mm -hmm. you know, you are submerging it, you immerse in it. I mean, that's all you hear. So, yeah, I mean, after, I, I, after six months, I was able to go to high school and kind of like, you know, picked up and went to college from there. And so now it's kind of ironic because English has kind of become more like my second language and has, mm -hmm. has moved French down to my third, you know, oh. whereas, yeah, whereas, you know, I mean, French was definitely my second language. I mean, Creole will always be my first language, but yeah. So because I've been here long enough that, that, you know, I mean, I still read in French. I still speak French like I was in France. And um, after like a day or so, it's like, oh my God, it's kind of like all flowing back, you know? Mm -hmm. So because when a language is, is not your native tongue, I mean, if you don't practice it after a lot, like a certain period of time, you kind of like get rusty. So so yeah. you have to yeah, kind of like go back to it. Whereas I, I will always speak Creole, you know, because that's my native tongue. That was exactly. Language. Yeah. 
Cool. Okay. So uh da, 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 da. I can't like I read the book and, and that was like again when you said your, you know, these women didn't catch a breath, I was like, you are forcing, like if you're reading this book, you are going to walk in their shoes. It is the way it's written, it's the narration, it is everything about this book. It takes the reader out of themselves and places them directly. Like, I'm not observing, I'm taking every hit. I am running every inch that they are running. Like it was very immersive. That's the word. I, mm -hmm. I think that's the word I'm going mm -hmm. to use. That's the word, yeah. It was immersive. And, mm -hmm. and you said, well, these women aren't able to take a breath and you make sure that your reader isn't going to get a breath either. And like, okay, that's a skill. That's not even like, no one teaches that. No one says, hey, this is how you do, 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 do. Like, how did you get to that place where you were like, I'm going to just make this, this um, experience? Yeah. Well, I want to say that it was planned, but I think that's just the way that I write. Hmm. And again, because I write even all my short stories, you know, it's it's always about somebody trying to overcome something because it seems like my whole life is about overcoming things. You know, yes. I mean, it, even in my personal life, you know, it's like, it's like overcoming when I was growing up in Haiti as a child, it was, you know, overcoming poverty. Okay, overcoming you know, I mean, maybe not having three meals every day, you know, overcoming, waiting to get a pair of shoes. And then mm -hmm. I came here and I'm overcoming a whole lot of different things exactly. because you have to understand that that I came from an all black country. All my, all my teachers were black. Everybody in a position of power is a black person. And then all of a sudden I came here and I'm not saying that. Oh and, and it, it was it was like very jarring to me. So it, I'm trying to overcome that. And, yeah. and I, as you know, I mean you cannot be a black person living in America and not experience racism. So exactly. I have experienced it and I've also experienced a different aspect of it. As an immigrant, you know, I mean you you are looked at in such a different light, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, people, people make you, some people make you feel like you don't belong here, you know, and, and you're trying sometimes, you know, you want to make yourself small so people don't see you until mm -hmm. I reach the stage in my life where I'm like, wait a minute, I do belong here, you know, so, and I'm going to take space, right? I'm going to take space to do what I need to do. So, um, to go back to the book, I mean, I I wrote the book in, not so much intentionally that, that I didn't want the reader to take a rep, but mm -hmm. the of some of these women 
Okay, hold on, because you're breaking up just a little I, bit. That I knew. Um, some of them. Okay, is that better? My right, internet. We, yeah. Let me see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, I mean, I guess I'm thinking, you know, the reader can take a break by closing the book and say, okay, I'm I'm going to come back to it later or tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But but the the characters don't have that opportunity. You know, no. they they have to every day deal with the situation until they find the strength, the courage, the will, and you know, to to get out. I'm gonna say <laughs> like how interesting it is because I've I've spoken to um you know, several Black women writers, and, and I'll continue to speak with Black women writers because that's what this podcast is all about. And I find that we all have this shared sense of urgency, this shared sense of allowing the reader to become like a part of, as opposed to allowing them to just stay apart from what's mm -hmm. happening in our books. And I and you you hit the nail on the head when you said, well, I've always had to overcome. I've always had to do this, this, that, and the third. And I think as a Black woman who's writing our stories, it's inevitable that we pull people in to this yes. experience because, I mean, if, if they knew the truth of what it is to be a Black woman anywhere in the world, mm -hmm then perhaps they would, I don't know. I don't know what the whole purpose is, but I know I write very similarly and all mm -hmm. the other black women writers that I read, it's like, you're in there. Yes. And, and, and you can't, you know, I, I, you can I mean, shut I, the book, I, mm -hmm. but you still, you're still in there. There's them. one author that I, that I read, uh, Catherine Adele West. And mm -hmm. she, yeah, she wrote Saving Ruby King and, and The Two Lives of Sarah. And her, I'm reading her books. And I'm like, oh my God, these are my books. These, these are my stories. I mean, right. these are Black women going through like some serious hardship and, and trying to overcome. So yeah, I mean, we do project our own personal experience, our lived experiences, you know, mm -hmm into what we write so because i was going to say even even like short stories that i've written you know i mean i mean they would portray you know characters wh wh whether it's black female or black male i mean they're always working towards something they're always struggling um yeah. and and i remember i remember this quote that i read from octavia butler and that stays mm -hmm. with me um, I think I'm paraphrasing, but she said, I don't write about heroes. I write about people who struggle and sometimes prevail. Ah, I and love I'm like, that. Oh my God. I'm like, oh my God, That's, these are the people that I write about. <laughs> they yeah. struggle and sometimes they make it, sometimes they don't. It's, yeah. it's our reality. It's just our reality, you know. And, so, and that's, I think, something that you, it's just the way you do it, Mickey. Um, and I, I find myself saying this all the time because we do it in so many different ways. It's so nuanced, like from writer to writer to writer. Mm -hmm. We each have our own little kind of um, 
subtle way of of telling these struggles and and talking about these you know these people who could be people like i i feel like i oh. knew every last one of those women in the island sisters and not you know, if not from the islands, I knew them growing up. I knew those women mm -hmm. in my family. Mm -hmm. I knew those yeah. women in my church. I knew those women, you know, yeah. who were in my school. It's like, I knew, I know them, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's just your specific approach to writing. It is hard hitting mm -hmm. and it's like a gut punch. That's what it feels like. It feels it like is. being punched in the gut and knowing like I knew I was going to get gut punched again but I, <laughs> I kept flipping I kept flipping the pages and and I was just like the finesse with which you do it the way you handle all four women interweaving their stories while making them so very different yeah thank you yeah that, that wasn't easy you know that 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 took planning. I mean, you know, I had to sit down and and kind of like create each one of them and make them like their own unique person before I put mm -hmm. them together. Because, yes, yes. because I wanted them to have lives outside of the friendship that they share. Mm -hmm. So like they had their own friends, you know, they had they had similar dreams, you know. I mean, they, they all want to be professional. They all want to be financially independent because because that's the background that I that I come from. It's like right. if you're financially independent, then then you can stand on your two feet. You don't have to depend on somebody and you don't have to, you know, have somebody tell you what to do just because you cannot take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. so, so that's something that was drilled into me. And and you will find Ella that most immigrants come to another country with a purpose. Oh yes. We don't leave our home just because we want to leave our home. I mean, I I love my home. I wish I could go back. Mm -hmm. So we we come here with a purpose and and we so laser focus on that, you know, for the most part. So so that I knew that I, I wanted my characters to be as laser focused about that's what they want to do so that they can get out from under the situation that they're in. So, but I wanted them to be individuals, not just friends, you know, they're like four friends, like you can't tell, you can tell them apart. So I wanted them to have different interests, different mm -hmm. personalities, you know, different. So yeah, I'm told that I've achieved that. So that, that, you know, somebody can read the dialogue and say, oh, this is Lani talking, you know. This exactly. Monique would never say that, you know. Exactly. That's exactly what you did. And I was like, uh, as I'm going through, I remember because like my my books that, I, that I've written and I self-publish, but my main character is a dissociative identity disordered system. So they are alters. Mm -hmm. and one body and all these different altars and I was like wait but I never saw them as one thing with different mm -hmm. identities I saw them the way they saw themselves they they mm -hmm. were always four different people to me and mm -hmm. so it's that's why I was like wait a minute this you know it reads familiar but not familiar because it was a completely mm -hmm. different situation but a very similar technique where you just kind of 
Like you didn't have to do a lot of physical descriptions. In fact, you didn't do a lot of mm -hmm. physical descriptions, mm -hmm. but in my mind, I knew exactly what Monique looked like. Because I, I, I wanted the reader to do that. And you, you know what well, I mean? And you left, you left <laughs> enough breadcrumbs mm -hmm. so that like I could, I could say, oh, this is Monique. I was already half in love with Cece. Yeah. Like, and Lonnie, I just wanted to pick her up and just hold yeah. her. Well, thing, yeah, no, and, yeah. <laughs> and poor Ella. I know. Oh my gosh. I, I am not talking about Ella in this situation. Yeah, I know. Let's not. <laughs> I'm not, but I just, <sighs> she was beautiful in my mind, inside and out. Mm -hmm. And and it just, so we're not going to talk about it. I know. Ella. Okay. I know. Anyway, moving <laughs> on. So tell me something. When you wrote this book, you said that it was like, I wanted to pay you know, homage to the women that I worked with and that I helped and, and that you're probably continuing to help. And in doing so, because, and I'm just going to put this out here. I taught for 13 and a half years prior to developing uh, lupus. And so I was a high school English teacher and I, mm. I worked with the students who were considered at risk, right? Mm -hmm. All the brown black and poor kids. That's, that's who I worked with. And oh, yeah. they had the most horrific stories. I've had parents arrested mm -hmm. for, you know, sexual assault of their own kid. It's just, it's horrible. And when they trust someone and they know that someone cares, then they give it all to you. And so when I wrote the Broken Soul series, it wasn't my story but I needed somewhere to put all of that. It was like vicarious trauma and mm -hmm. I, it was <laughs> on me and in me. And I was like, I, like, I can't move into where I want to be as a writer until I purge. Like I needed to get it off and out of me. So in any way was writing the Island Sisters cathartic for you in that same way that writing my Broken Soul series was cathartic for me? Yes, actually it was, uh, Ella, because um, the idea for the book came, I have to tell you, from a phone call, even though I had all this um, experience with working with women and, and helping them, but I, I received a phone call from a friend whose marriage was very toxic. Mm -hmm. And she called me that day and she told me that she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. and, and she followed that with, I think he's killing me, not, not with his hand, with a gun, but with all the trauma and the, the pain and the fear and you know it's just attacking my immune system and I was so sad after I hang up the phone with her and so I I usually I journal you know which is a, a great outlet for me even when I was when I was a kid you know I would mm -hmm. write my feelings down on paper so that day I jumped on my laptop and I started writing about what I knew about her 
you know, end her marriage of 20 something years, which in my personal opinion, I felt she should have left long time. But, you know, sometimes people, I mean, if you're not walking in people's shoes, you don't know. Because I used to say, Ella, I mean, why do women stay in abusive relationship until I started working with them? And, and when I started working with them, it's because they had already left because I was case managing at a long-term transitional housing. So these women had left. And so they would share with me the length of time, I mean, the years it took them to finally find the courage, you know, to live with their children. So, so it's not easy, particularly when you're dealing with a population that is not financially. So that's why I keep going back to the, to, to the being able to be equipped, you know, to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that your partner knows that she can leave. She doesn't really need me to keep a roof over her head. She won't be living under a bridge. Mm -hmm. So, so I, that's why I, I encourage women to go get a skills, get get something, you know, work so that you can be financially independent. I mean, you may not be able to afford a mansion, but but you can rent yourself a one bedroom apartment, and yeah. and you don't have to stay. So. I started writing that day because I was so sad. I was a boo boo crying when she told me, and then, and then I was sharing that with my husband when he came home, and he said, "You know, don't you see a pattern? Because before that, I had another friend who actually had cancer and, you know, had lived under you know, very." stressful situation so mm -hmm. i'm like you know what I, I think i need i need to write that story i need i need to put all these stories together and write a book that will show like all the different faces of uh, abuse and also show that that abuse doesn't just happen to a certain segment of society it's pervasive. i mean i mean it happens to rich people it happens to people from every race and mm -hmm. ethnicity. So it's it's kind of like a, a, a equal opportunity for everybody. I mean, every, I don't want to say women because, because, you know, there's statistic that some men are abused as well. So, yeah, I mean, it can happen in, in any society, any household, any neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So, so I want people to understand that you can be from a very wealthy family and you can experience you can experience abuse just like you know I mean somebody who who you know doesn't have the means to right. just pack and leave and start a new life because it takes a lot to do that. It takes yeah, a lot. It does. It does. I I was, you know. Like with Lonnie, just that whole situation with her, it was so disturbing mm -hmm. um, and painful. Like I didn't, you, <laughs> the fact that you, you like present this whole situation from like so many different time periods 
And then it's like, once you, you share the beginning of that mm -hmm. relationship, I was like literally in my bed in the fetal position, mm -hmm. rocking and, and crying because I was like, she had no idea what was happening. No, no. She had no idea. Someone had taken the cross of Jesus and wrung it around her neck and made a noose from it. And she had no yes. idea what was happening. And, and I was like thinking, yeah. I didn't Gosh. know Kevin was like that. Oh, so that broke my heart yeah. for her. And that's like, I just wanted that's my that's my I know, and you notice, I mean, what what kept her in in her case, it's it's her culture, her belief, you know, and yes. and he plays on that. He used that. I mean, the abuser is always going to use like like your, your weakest link, right? I mean, right. the the one thing that he or she knows that you know, you, you're not going to cross because you believe in that it's been ingrained in you. Mm -hmm. So it, it takes a lot of work. It, it takes a lot of work, you know, for, for people to start thinking differently, for people to give themselves permission, you know, to think yeah. differently, to say, wait a minute, you know, I mean, I can still believe, I can still serve God or Allah or, you know, whoever you worship, Mm -hmm. And still, and still, you know, not sacrifice myself, you know, yeah. in the process. You know, there, yeah. there, ought to be, there ought to be a balance. So, yeah, I kind of like wanted to show that. You, you did it. Yeah. <laughs> you did that. You, you showed it and, and, and you hadn't told us anything in this book. That's what I'm going to say. No one is telling anything in this book. You are showing everything you want the reader to learn did you find some sense of of healing in the writing did you feel like like when you were done did you feel like you could take a breath from mm -hmm. from all the women that that you have helped and all the stories that you have stored up inside like once you had it and it was like did you feel like okay wait I can kind of take a breath now. Yeah, you know, actually, after each scene, that's really hard that I had to write, showing what this character is experiencing at this time. It was very hard for me. I mean, I felt, I felt anger as I'm writing. I felt mm -hmm. anger. I felt sadness. I, I wanted to hit somebody too, right? I mean, I, you know, so yes, I mean, I experienced it. And and I think I went somewhere. This is, as a writer, that's when you know you've you've hit it right, when you you actually feel the feeling as you're writing. Yes, yes. Yeah. So- And I so, could tell because your feeling gave the tone and it affected my mood. So- <laughs> <laughs> it's a full circle. You, you, yeah, you so I, it. I find myself like, like after that scene, you just mentioned that scene with Lani, you know, when, when mm -hmm. I went back to her, I mean, yeah, I had to stop away from the laptop and say, okay, I'm done for today. You know, I've, yes. I, because, because I had the scene in my head because, because I wanted to show how it started for her, you know, and, and how she gets so entangled and then 
and then her you know cultural belief or whatever kind of like kept her in until it whatever so but yeah i mean i had to step away and said okay i need i need to take a break but but again this is this is something that actually happened to somebody yeah and that's the thing and you can't write what you don't know and even if it's not your story you Mm -hmm. You can't write what you don't know. And and so when you absolutely yeah. Yeah. When you get those scenes, when you get to those scenes, I mean, that's why I'm just like, I'm trying not to fangirl, Miss Mickey. That's what I'm trying not to do. It's really hard. (laughs) It's really hard. I'm trying my best not to fangirl because I cannot tell you how like just impressed doesn't work for me. None of the words that I think of will work for me i it is you are magnificent you are magnificent and to tell the hard stories and i think black women writers we revel in there we that's our wheelhouse telling those hard truths and not holding punches not trying to sugarcoat it not fading to black nope this is how it was Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I hear my characters, they're like, girl, I didn't say that. I said this, and this is how I want it <laughs> on the paper. Make it look like that. And so yeah. it's hard. And like, you just want to throw the whole laptop away because, mm-hmm. because it is visceral. It's it's personal because it wasn't me, but I know, I know who yeah. that happened to. Absolutely. And, and, and as a woman, as a sister, you know, as a friend, I mean, you know, it's like, how could you possibly read this and not feel a certain way about these characters, you know, because, because like I said, you may not personally experience it, but I think we all know Ella, somebody who had experienced abuse, either as a child or as an adult, you know, in a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. So we 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 all know somebody. I mean, and 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 we may be living with people that are so ashamed of what they're going through that they can't talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like want want people to like recognize the signs, you know. Um, I mean, like if if you have a friend and all all of a sudden, I mean, you know, she's not calling you. She's not getting together and she used to do that and and you know something is not well going at home i mean it could be her partner pulling her away isolating her mm-hmm. so that so that they really can keep control and and you as a friend need to kind of like check on them yeah check and, on and i think that the book is more i mean we've been talking about like the the really hard hitting abuse that you you tackle and the way in which you do it. And it was, you know, but the book is so much more about friendship. I hate to stop right here, but we gotta pay the bills. We'll be back after this message. 27%, any guesses what that number means? Is it the number of people in the US who listen to podcasts? Actually, that number is 24%. Well, in 2017, that number 
has increased exponentially up to 64% in March of 2023. Podcasting continues to be on the rise. It is the place to be. Only 27% of podcasts are hosted by women. Only 27%. Are you as shocked as I was? Just think of all the voices we are missing. Is your voice one of those? Is there a topic you keep thinking about? A message you know needs to be shared? Guests you know you want to interview? Or maybe you're an entrepreneur and you know that you want to help others get to know you better and know what you do. Podcasting is the way to do it. This is why I founded Authentic Connections Network. A podcast network that is so much more than you'd imagine. We take the tech and stress out of podcasting. We give you the power of a network, power of community, of education around podcasting, of coaching, individualized supports, and all the other incredible women breaking through and changing the landscape of podcasting. Isn't it time you realize your dream? We believe strongly in our creators. We believe in Ella Shawn and in Black Writers Therapy. There are conversations that need to happen, stories that need to be told, Authentic Connection Network is a place for them. Follow us on Instagram at 37by27. Comment the word amplify on any of our posts or DM it. That feels better to you. I want to learn more about you and your goals and how maybe you could be part of Authentic Connections. I think, and I don't know, maybe it's me, right? It might be me, but it's so hard to find women with whom you can be 100% you mm-hmm. and vulnerable and courageous. And, 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 and if you me. do find it, cherish it. Yes. Because I have, I have a couple of friends like that, that I can be me, I can be vulnerable. I can talk to them about anything mm-hmm. that, that's priceless you know so yes i wanted i wanted to show that i wanted the friendship to almost be like a character in the book i mean the because the friendship is going to play a very significant it's playing a very significant role in the in the book it's it's carrying them toward their goals yes. uh, regardless how far they are from each other right and and it's so funny the thing with the bracelet is you know people people would ask me i mean did you like plan the bracelets because the bracelets are like so significant in the book in the story i said no i was actually writing the draft and then it was christmas and it's like almost like a voice like one of the characters said oh we should open gifts we should be opening gifts (laughs) You know, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's Christmas. They should be opening gifts. Hmm. Like, what would the gifts be? Now, remember, they're freshmen in college at that point, so they don't have any money. Well, except for the the one character who's from a very wealthy family, and right. so she's like, oh, I know. I think we should all wear identical whatever bracelets. <laughs> so, I mean, plenty. It was like a, a spur of the moment. I was like, okay, yeah, that's mixed in you know those bracelets were like and i like you're you're laughing but i'm going to get me a gold bangle bracelet <laughs> and i'm serious and i'm just going to call my two best buddies and i'll be like y'all we need to 
yeah, angle it up because I love that. It was and and you just said like the friendship was a character. I don't know if all writers do this, but I find that with us, we make everything, anything can be a significant character. Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. I spoke with Lisa, she was, it was like, yes, the house in her, in her book is, I was like, it was a character. And I was thinking when reading yours, this friendship is, it's not just a friendship. This friendship is the, it's like the, the thing that pulls through the entirety mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. the novel and it, it grows, it changes, it's dynamic. It's a fully exactly. realized 3D mm -hmm. developed mm -hmm. character. And it was so real. I love that there's like jealousy, snide remarks, saying, well, you oh, always yeah. you stop being such a Exactly. Which is, which is like, yes, that's how my friends and I talk. Which is like, we do sometimes your best friend in the world is going to piss you off, right? I mean, yes. they, they're going to say something you don't like and you're going to react and then and then you may sleep on it and realize, you know, our sister was right, <laughs> you know? Yes, so, yes. Sister it, was and right, it was just you know, calling me on arguments, this. So. Yeah, you did great. The arguments were great. And I love that the friendship, as much as it changed, as much as, it, you know, evolved, the foundation was so beautiful. We're the island sisters. Yes. We're the four girls who came here from three islands, and we're going to make, you know, our mark here in yeah. Miami. And that foundation never changed. It never changed. And it was just such a beautiful foundation, such a beautiful story of just friendship. Mm -hmm. Like, regardless of all the chaos and crazy and abuse and atrocity and I can't catch my breath moments this friendship was like a really sweet magnolia laced breeze like that's it what was. it felt like to me <laughs> it's funny you said sweet magnolia somebody who reviewed the book said God, it kind of remind me of sweet magnolia you know like the friendship and and yeah. so it's such a beautiful friendship. It's real, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's not gloss over. I mean, it's real. It's it's war. I mean, these women feel how they feel, and they still they respect each other. You know, I mean, they support each other. They love each other. They don't always agree. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's being human, right? I mean, of course, we're not going to agree always with everything, but. When when we know deep down that that friend really cares about you, and and he he or she may be coming from a different angle that you cannot see right now, but mm -hmm. like in my personal life, I'll I'll think about it like overnight or whatever, and then I'll call my friend and said, you know, you were right. So and yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. For yelling at you, I mean, we we have to be big enough to say to say that we're sorry, you know, when when because. Mm -hmm. But I think when you have friendships like that, like the friendship you you wrote in this in this uh, in the Island Sisters, like I'm sorry and I apologize. Yes, it's it's nice to give that, but it's not really ever necessary. Mm -hmm. At least I Absolutely. find that like with. With yes. my personal, you know, with my personal experience, like mm -hmm. we can blow up at each other and and cuss each other up one side and down the other, and we do, 
quite honestly. And we do. And uh and and then we, you know, go our separate ways, take a couple of days, and it's mm-hmm. like, girl, what you doing today? You know, because <laughs> it's like Yeah, you know, because we deep down you know, you know. Yeah, I mean that that person really feels you and you feel her. So, you know, I mean yeah. it's it's going to happen in any relationship where you know, whether it's your romantic partner, you know, I mean your children, right? Your mm-hmm. siblings, your friends, you know, there's going to be friction. It's yes, part, yes. it's the human condition. So it's like how you handle it. That's that's what makes the difference. So yeah, so I wanted to show these women with all their flaws, with all their, you know, they're jealous of each other because because we are, you know, we are <laughs> jealous of our friends because something is going good for this one and like well, you know, deep down you're thinking, oh, I wish it was me, right? Right, that could have been me if I, well, if I had what she had, if I had exactly. that extra, I love it. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's it's perfectly normal, you know. So yeah, I wanted to really wanted to show that. I love that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot just a little bit. Okay. So when you did your questionnaire, um, I I asked the question like I gave like six choices, right? Like, mm-hmm. So what of these six things would honestly, if I were truly a licensed therapist offering Black women writer, writers therapy, what would send you to my couch? Do you mm-hmm. remember what you chose? No, I don't. That, that's what I wanted. You okay, chose, please. <laughs> you chose uh, that they, like the publishing industry would say there is not a wide enough audience for your kind of writing. Why would that send you to my couch? Like, what would you need to get off of your chest after hearing that? Okay. Well, because, um, you know, so when I was writing the book and I was part of a couple of uh, pretty groups and as I was reading through the manuscript, you know, like you would read a chapter every time you go in. Mm-hmm. Now, you and I know my characters are black women and they like from different islands. And so they're coming with, you know, different, um, different culture and whatnot. And somebody had said to me in the group, and I have to say like I was the only immigrant and the only black person in the group, right? <laughs> And somebody said to me one time, I mean, so who did you write that book for? And I'm like, what do you mean? I, I, I wrote, I'm, I'm writing the book for readers, not black readers, female readers, immigrant readers, for readers. And I was told, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, people need to read books that they can relate to, that they can say, oh, that character looks like me, have have my hair, you know, have my, I mean, drive the same car that I drive. Honest to God. And then I was thinking to myself, oh, shoot. I mean, how many Haitian people from St. Thomas do I know that are going to be reading my book? Oh, my goodness gracious. I mean, nobody's going to read my book. So not enough people are going to read my book. So, yeah, I mean... This whole movement, Ella, with with we need diverse book. I think I think it was it was just about do right because mm-hmm. I'm finding 
that a lot of people don't actually read books from people who don't look like them. People, mm-hmm. don't, people who don't share the same identity. Whereas, I mean, for me, and perhaps for you, I mean, I grew up reading books written by foreigners. You know, yes. I mean, primarily white people. I mean, let's face it. I mean, all the books that I read in my childhood were in French. They were written by French authors, and they were all white. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and somehow I identify with them. I, I my humanity identify with them because I mean, it's it's a story. I'm, I mean, I'm trying to think of of you know, I mean, one story that I've read. Um, you know, book books that I've read in my childhood. You know, in French. But anyway, so that kind of like got me to think. For the longest time, I mean, for almost two weeks, I didn't write in, anything in the book. I'm like, okay, so who's gonna read this book? <laughs> you know, I mean, so it seems like they're not interested in learning about like Haitian people, learning about people who live on the the, the island of Guam, people who live in Saint Thomas. Uh-huh. You know, so, but then I said, well. I'm writing a story. You know, you know, there's something good about writing for yourself. Uh-huh. I think I, I think that's why I was able to write this book, Ella. I'm gonna be honest with you. When I when I started writing this book, I truly, truly was writing the book for me. And I, yes. I think it, it gives me the permission and the freedom to just write and not be too concerned about whether or not um, you know, people are going to be disturbed by the book. People are going to not like it. I'm like, you know, whatever. I mean, I want to write this the way that I want to write it, the way that I've experienced these stories by listening to these women, by knowing, mm-hmm. by so yeah. I mean, there, there there was a certain freedom in that, so I wasn't too like concerned. So when I when I got my publisher. I was very, very scared that they're going to say, oh, well, you need to, like, tone it down. Oh, we don't like the ending. You know, you need to change the ending. Well, I have to say, they fell in love with the book. And they're like, we actually don't want you to change a thing. We love the ending. It's it's so real life. And I was like, okay, so this is the publisher I'm going to go with. Because... You know, I mean, because that's the story I wanted to tell. So you have just led us right on into segment two, (laughs) which is the audacity of Black women writers. Because we have to have a level of audacity that surpasses. Absolutely. Yeah. Understanding to even say, I am going to be a writer in this climate, and I'm not just talking about America, but the publishing industry the world over, yes, it's still stuck on white. And yes. like when you were talking about your critique groups, I was sitting here like, girl, shut up, shut up. Don't say anything, yeah. don't interrupt. Because that's, I, I yeah. think that very well may be mm-hmm. every Black writer who belongs to a writing association. Yeah. Because there are not a lot of us in the writing associations first and foremost. And like you, I'm the only Black one in Mm -hmm. two critique groups. And I get the same kind of like, I want to, but it's so, mm, 
and, and, and people cannot critique. Yeah, and people cannot critique your work because they've never read anything like that. Just, let me give you another example in another group, critique group that I was in. Now, I, since you've read the book, you know that that one of the characters is from a very wealthy Haitian family, right? You know, mm -hmm. you know what she's. What he said to me, he said. This is not believable. Where, where does she get the money to be flying on a plane like all the time? I said, excuse me? So, so you're assuming that every Haitian person is, is poor. It's, it's like the person you see the two-second clip on television showing you the, the children dying of hunger. Well, I have news for you, honey. That's not Haiti. So you see, you see the mentality is like they... I don't know. I exactly. mean, it's like, don't you want to read something from and learn so that you can see, oh my God, yeah. I mean, there is another Haiti. There is a total, totally different part of Haiti that has never been talked about, never been shown on television. You know, people with a lot of money, people, people who fly to Miami to get a facial and a massage. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So but you don't want to learn that because that's not your world. You know, I mean, you, you know. It doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't fit the narrative that they want to present. And I find that like, like you, I will read anything um, because I just enjoy reading. Yeah. And, you know, as far as relatability, like I don't have to necessarily relate to your characters to relate to the situations that your characters are dealing I mean, with. I said, we're but all human beings, right? I mean... That's debatable. Would, yeah, that's... I know. Like, like, for example, I mean, I, I read books from Muslim authors. I read books from, um, um, you know, I mean, LGBTQ you mm -hmm. know, writers community. Because I want to know, you know, yeah. I want to know. And, and I totally relate because it's a human story. It's not a story about, about a Muslim person. It's a, it's a story about somebody who happens to be Muslim, but, right. but who's undergoing like, like life, who's living life, just like, just like a Christian person would, just like an atheist person would. So I mean, I me, I identified with the humanity in people, mm -hmm. you know, everybody. Right. So yeah, I mean, you know, when somebody said to you again, if I was on your couch, I would be talking about like when somebody said to you, "Why are you still reading about the women doing the hair?" Like, and I'm like, okay, see, because you've never read books with black characters in them because you cannot have a book with four black women that hair is not going to come up, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're going to, we to talk about our hair. Like, girl, I got to press my hair. Okay, back then, I got to press my hair. I got to braid my hair, whatever. Look, I, so, I knew everything that was going on. When you, when you talked about those Marcells, my ears started burning because my mom and her... <laughs> Like that's a shared experience. It is. It, is. it doesn't matter where you are. If you're black, that's a shared experience. Absolutely. But but I mean, I mean, if you're not a black woman, wouldn't you want to know that? I would. I would. Yeah. I would find it very interesting that mm -hmm. you know, 
mm-hmm. anything outside of myself, I find interesting because Absolutely. like, yes, that's just more knowledge, more yeah. opportunities to learn. But again, mm-hmm. I think the difference is Mickey that we are not, we don't place ourselves outside of diverse communities. Like we don't consider like a diverse community to be everyone except mm-hmm. us. Yeah. And I think when when you know when people of color, BIPOC folk, people that call marginalized people, whatever they're calling us these days, mm-hmm. when we are around mainstream writers, and mm-hmm. I say that with quotes, when sure. we're around white writers and we're like, hey, give me some solid feedback and they can't, it's not because they can't critique the writing. It's just they mm-hmm. don't know enough about the experience, yeah, culture, no, the, the culture and yes. the experience to mm-hmm. actually understand the writing. At least absolutely. that's what I've found. It's true. And, it's absolutely true. Yes. Yeah. And they don't have to pay attention mm-hmm. to our experiences. However, I can tell you pretty much everything about the white American experience, because if I don't, then I'm not safe. Exactly. Exactly. So, but I'm I'm so happy to see that the book is being read by a lot of people that are just not immigrants Uh (laughs) or just from Haiti or Guam, et cetera, so. So it's it's very refreshing to see that, you know, um, it, there are a lot of people out there who actually want to read diversely, who really want to, you know, experience like another type of reading, another type of writing, another type of stories, yeah. you know, stories about, you know, people who don't look like them, people who don't share the same experience with them. So. But outside of the physicality and phenotypically, you know, your characters are Black and they're immigrants and all of that, outside of all of that, reading like the Island Sisters, again, it is such a human story. That's what it is. Like, Mm -hmm. I have never been outside of the U.S. of A. I've never been to an island. I've never been to like any of the places that you spoke of. However, there was absolutely nothing that went on when, you know, Monique was in Haiti, nothing Mm -hmm. that went on in St. Thomas, nothing that went on when, you know, Lonnie went back to Guam, nothing that went on when Ella went back to, to Haiti. That was like, I have no idea what is going Mm -hmm. on here. And it is, it is deflecting from the story, like I mm-hmm. remember reading the Makus, and I was like, "Wait, I've seen this. Mm-hmm. I have, I've heard about this, and I couldn't remember where." And the mm-hmm. first time I saw, and you have to pronounce this for me because I mispronounce it in my mind. But what do you call your mother? Uh, mama. 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 Okay, mm-hmm. I was I was close then because I was like, "Mama," right? Because yeah, well, mama, you know, mama. I'm right here. But yeah. I remember, yeah. and I was like, where have I seen all of this? And and then like the Devalles, and I said, Edwidge. Don't take that. Yes. And it was forever ago that I read mm-hmm. her, her debut novel, but I remember that mm-hmm. and that you mm-hmm. wrote about it. 
what the world? You just, let me slide that in too while I'm writing. Let me slide this really difficult period of, of corruption and mayhem and, and death for my country. Let me slide this in because people, I don't want them You'll to forget. get one, yes. So I'm going to cut out the middleman and go straight for the publisher. So mm -hmm. I queried like, um, like mid-sized publisher, like my publisher, BHC Press, they are a small traditional publisher. First thing I asked them was like, okay, I mean, please don't ask me to like change the ending or to like change the essence. He said, said, no, 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 no. We just love the book just the way it is. That's yeah. encouraging. Mm -hmm. So still so, you don't have an agent. I don't have an agent went. and I have no interest in getting one. I mean, for my... I have I have another book pretty much done completed, and um, you know I, I probably will go the same route. I I'm, I'm not interested in getting an agent at this point. That's really interesting because I'm going to be a hundred percent honest with you, Miss Mickey. I had no uh -huh. idea that was an option. I didn't know that was an option. It is an to option to go yeah. with an oh, independent yeah. publisher oh, yes. without yes. getting the agent. Yes, ma'am. So, yeah. and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. So when I research and research and research, when I found BHC, they actually accept submission from agented and unagented writers. Hmm. So that's when I said, oh, okay, well, then I'm unagented and I don't want to spend two years querying to find an agent. I just want somebody to publish my book without me spending a penny, okay? And they got the book. You see the four hibiscus on the cover? The hibiscus yeah. flower is native of all three islands. And I, I'm not going to give something away, but I'll tell you personally something else that appear on the cover that is very significant. But, but I want readers to figure it out by themselves. But, you know, I thought that was so clever. Oh. Yeah, the font for my name is a, it's black, you know, it's black ink, whereas the Alan sister is a rich, deep brown color. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I'm very, very pleased with it. And so everybody said, wow, it's, it's clean. It's, it's, it's not busy, but it's just beautiful. It's aesthetically just beautiful. And it is, and, it's a beautiful uh, cover. Yeah, I mean, so the hibiscus, I mean, about it's like, it's native, it's on all three islands, yep. you know. So. I'm just thinking about my girl, and she always keeps one in her hair <laughs> for special yeah. occasions. I love her yeah. so much. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know, they, yeah. they're publishing my book, and they, they yeah. love that book. I mean, they love that book. I mean, they, they're putting a lot of uh, work behind the book. Good. So I'm, I'm It deserves pleased. it, though. It really, yeah. it deserves all the work that they're putting into it and it deserves to launch and, and be well-received because yeah. unlike the concept of if it's not accessible and relatable to the centered white, mm -hmm. you know, aesthetic or whatever it is, but it's like this book is a universal book because it's a book about universal it, things it, it and ideas. Exactly. Yeah. I always said that. I mean, domestic abuse, domestic violence is a universal theme. I mean, if, you know, like Toni Morrison said, if there's a book out there 
you wanted to read and you can't find it, then you must write it. And giving yourself permission to do that, Mm -hmm. that is what affords, I think, so many of us as Black women, you know, the freedom to write the way we do. Um, And then, of course, when it is received and, and placed in that place of center, then like, we're not shocked, but everybody else seems to be so flabbergasted, like, that the books do so well. I know. Um, and, 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 you know, this is the very first manuscript I've ever written. Yeah, because there's something to be said about the audacity of Black women writers. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, even in a system that is hell-bent on not, you know, pushing and yeah. promoting um, what, what we put out there, there's still like, oh, but yet we thrive, yet we find we, a way, yet our work finds its way into, absolutely, into yes. the, the wider market. So congratulations mm-hmm. again on the success of your first manuscript. I mean, because honestly, it is unbelievably relatable. It's like that meal, you know, if you eat all of it on your plate, you're going to be up with the belly ache late at night, but you don't care because it's that good. And you know, you know, it's going to be good. And that's your book. That is your book. Okay. I'm sorry. Fangirling. Give me my time. <laughs> I enjoy. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Really yeah. enjoyed it. And I can see that you really read the book and you really get the book. So I, I love that. Oh, yes. I, I can't stand that. when people try and talk books I and they just read it. reviews and yeah. they've just kind of gone. Yeah. No, no. Mm. I'm an old English teacher. I'm reading. <laughs> I am reading what you write, I'm reading what you didn't write, I'm reading yeah, in between yeah. the spaces and the pauses, mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm, where the mm-hmm. story happens. It's like those little moments Absolutely. where I can't catch a breath. Yes, I love it. Okay, we are almost ready to be done. I just okay. have, I said one more question. Okay. Before we move to the game. Are you ready okay. to play the game? Um, you you gotta tell me the rules. Everybody um, has been like, "Oh God, not the game!" But yeah, I love that. So, uh, so okay. I'm asking Miss mm-hmm. Mickey Bertolo Morinci, would you good. rather be known as a women's fiction writer or a black women's fiction writer? And what's the difference? Yeah, well, you know, I honestly, in a in a perfect world, I would want to be known as a women fiction writer, as a writer, period. You know, there's no need to put another qualifier in front of it, like because because we don't say, you know, so and so is a Hispanic writer. I, I don't think I've ever heard that, you know, or so and so is a gay writer. So and so is a Muslim writer. So and so is a white writer. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think because I think by by putting that in front of it, it's why don't you let somebody pick up the book and read it just because? Oh, I want I love women fiction, right? So I want to write this. I want to read this new author that I just read about who write women fiction. Well, let them pick up the book and okay, if they find out okay, my picture is on it, I'm black, whatever. But it gives them a chance to pick up the book and read yes. the blurb on the back and say, okay, I don't care that she's black. I like that, what I just read. I want to read it. 
It's mm-hmm. like, that's the thing that would send me to a black writer therapist. <laughs> it's becoming one of mine me. too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, I'm a writer. I write books and yes, I'm, I'm a exactly. writer. Mm-hmm. And if you put black writer, then mm-hmm. you're relegating me to that very tiny section in the bookstore. <laughs> with, Absolutely. Yes. With just a few books, you I know, know. Mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. just like, and then so I'm not over in, in the women's fiction mm-hmm. or contemporary fiction section of the bookstore. Exactly. No, I, I now I'm over here. Relegated in this to little this space. Little corner. Yes. So un- unless somebody, you know, make it their business to say, oh, I'm going to look for a women fiction book written by a black female author, then yeah, so nobody gets to see your book. So no. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are coming to the last segment. Okay. And before we get here, I just want to say again, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I hope that, I don't hope, I don't have time for hope. I know that (laughs) the Island Sisters is going to garner as much success as it deserves, as you deserve, and that it will be well-read and centered because it is that book. We'll be done shortly. It's five words and you give me basically an anecdote. Just okay. a quick little two sentence anecdote. And it's okay. either hashtag bookish, so it's about books, or hashtag mm-hmm. writer's life, or okay. hashtag writing while black. Okay. Are you ready? So it's, it's bookish and writing white writing while black. Mm-hmm. So do I do I say the hashtag after the sentence? Yes. Okay, so bookish. Writing while black. What's the other one? Writer's life. Writer's life. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Your first word is sexiest. Sexiest. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um. <clears throat> well, she's at her sexiest when her partner brings her food in bed and she knows she doesn't have to get up and go fix breakfast. Is this one of the characters? That's, no, that's writer's life. (laughs) I'll drink to that. (laughs) (laughs) That personal, actually. (laughs) My word. All right. Theme. Theme. So the dance, the music was beating very loudly, and the theme of the party was uh, a voodoo ceremony, and she spent the whole time dancing on the chair while she's reading a book about the religion of voodoo. That's bookish. Wait, you cannot just do this to me. Is this something you're writing now? No. (laughs) No, this is just popping in my head right now. I mean. Omission. 
omission. Um. Okay, so he said I repeat things all the time, too many times, but then he has a problem with omission because he keep forgetting things that I ask him to do. So that's why does life? Mm, and we're like two more and that's it. Your next word is read or read. Well, my girlfriend Marie said that I read too much into everything that she said that has to do with her sex life. That's writing while black. And that's what's up. <laughs> the last you. word is yielding. Yielding? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I've asked her so many times to not keep everything inside that yielding to the force of nature sometimes sets you free. Hmm. That's that's bookish. Bookish. You just like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not even gonna fool with you. I'm not fooling with you. <laughs> Thank you. You did a really good job with that. Like no one's ever played the game like this. So it was kind of interesting and cool. Thank you. You're welcome. But that brings us to the end of our session, Miss Mickey. Okay. I cannot tell you how amazing it's been sitting here talking with you. I wouldn't be a proper unlicensed therapist if I didn't give you homework. Okay. Your homework. Tell okay. me who you think should be on my couch next. Oh, um, okay. Um, Katia D. Ulis. Very good. Yeah. This should be cool. Okay. Alrighty. All right. That is it. Again, thank you so much. We're going to go ahead and close the session out. And I will probably be asking you to join me for a group therapy session sometime later when I bring back the four um, writers that I speak to in June to sit around at a roundtable discussion and see that what happens. Sounds, yeah, that sounds lovely. I mean, I hope, well, yeah, you know, you know, now that the book is out, you know, it, I'm kind of busy, but I know, but I hope you make some time for the little people. <laughs> yes, I will make time. <laughs> or you know, I'll always, always make time for you. So very good. Okay, yeah. thank you so much. Enjoy You're the rest welcome. of your day. Bye bye. Thank you for joining me for this session of Black Writer Therapy. Be sure to follow and leave a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And keep the conversations going on Instagram using our hashtag Black Writer Therapy. I'm your host and unlicensed therapist, Alishan, reminding you to be kindest to yourself first, always 
and in all ways. See you guys next week. Bye.